Good morning, good evening, good day, and welcome to Drama Buds. I'm Francine, I really love K-dramas, and I'm going to spend as much time as I want talking about them. Welcome to my podcast. So, hello everyone. Uh, Our show for today, well... Okay, it's been a while since I've seen a premise as unique and as good as the premise of this show. So, of course, we're, today we're talking about Signal, the K-drama from 2016. Um, so, why did I end up watching this show? Uh, once again, a little background on me. Uh, right, so we if you've listened to any of my other podcast episodes, you know I'm obsessed with Missane, right? That's pretty much my number one favorite K-drama of all time. And, of course, as usual, I'm following uh, the director of Missing Around, Kim Won-suk. Uh, he also directed Missing My Mister, and Arthur Chronicles, which I'm still currently watching. And I also kind of love it. So, you know, it was just natural for me to start watching Signal. I mean, I've heard so many good things about it. And even after I heard so many good things about it, when I actually looked it up, apparently this was directed by Kim Won-suk and written by Kim Eun-hee, the writer of Kingdom, which just tells me that this is probably going to be really intense, kind of insane, but really, really good. And you know what? When I saw the awards that it won in the Beksang Arts Awards that year, my goodness, Best Drama, Best Screenplay by for Kim Eun-hee, and Best Actress for my queen, Kim Ye-soo. What? I mean, Kim Won-sook should have won Best Director this year. I will talk about that later. He's a genius. But this was the year of Reply 1988. And you know what? If he's going to lose to another director... I don't mind if it's Shin PD. Okay, it's fine. I, I respect the decision. But this show was also amazingly directed. We'll get to that later. So what is Signal all about? Um, Essentially, uh, a police profiler finds an old walkie-talkie that can communicate with a detective from the 90s at a specific time in the day. And they help each other solve cold cases from the past and change the past and the future in turn. Sounds simple. (laughs) No, it does not at all sound simple. (laughs) Okay. Alright. Let's start with the characters. First, we start with Park Heyoung, played by Lee Jae-hoon. So, Heyoung is a police profiler in a patrol division, just like a local station. Um, and like, as a, an individual, he doesn't trust the police. But he's a cop. <laughs> I mean, that's explained later in the show. But yeah, that's that's how he starts out. Like, he doesn't believe in the system. He doesn't really believe in who, who he's working with and what he's working for. But, but you know, he's smart and he's determined to find the truth. Whatever the truth may be. Like, whether it's about the cold cases that they're solving or the truth behind this walkie-talkie that, you know, allows him to communicate with someone in the past. Get to that later. <laughs> Sorry, jumping ahead of myself. Um, so why doesn't he trust the police? Well, when he was a kid around 15 years ago, um, a kid in his class was kidnapped when he was a child. And and even he if he kept telling the police, like, I saw the sus I, I saw who kidnapped her. It's it's a woman. The the police kept uh, insisting or revealing that the suspect was a man. Like, no, this is what happened. And they wouldn't listen to him because 
he was a child. And because they never listened to him, they never saw the suspect. He did. They never listened to him. And because of that, they never found the kid that was kidnapped. It's been 15 years, you know, and they never found her. So one day, like out of nowhere, he just, he finds an old walkie-talkie that was in the trash. Um, And he, when he turned it on or started like listening to who was sending the transmission, um, it was Detective Lee Jehan who seems to be talking about that exact same case of the missing child, right? And so, you know, um, Heyong is confused. Like, huh, why are you talking about? Like, he doesn't know why does this detective know me by name? And why are they talking about this case as if they're actively um, investigating it when it's been a cold case for 15 years? But, you know, he listens to what Detective Lee Jehan is saying and then he follows the trail and he ends up in a location where um, Lee Jehan supposedly saw the corpse of the suspect uh, in that kidnapping case. But when when Heyong looked at that location, it wasn't a corpse, it was a skeleton. So, you know, he reported this to the police and, and uh, it reopens the cold case right as the statute of limitations is about to expire. So at the time, it was 15 years after an incident. And so, you know, many things happen and eventually they catch the culprit in the nick of time just when they exactly need to. So, you know, after that, every time um, Heyong receives transmissions, he talks to uh, Lee Jaehan and the past and the present, they start communicating with each other to either help Lee Jaehan change the past or to help Park Heyong solve the case in the present day so that they can solve it as a cold case at least if like, you know, in the past, the forensics and the science wasn't as advanced and didn't have the technology. So maybe they wouldn't be able to solve it in their time. But in the present, that's when they can actually do something about it. And so, you know, every time they change something in the past, of course, that has like a butterfly effect and it affects the future. But, you know, like right before his eyes, like pictures start to change, words scramble around, like... Um, Park Heyong is the only one who's able to remember like the previous past. I mean, the the previous present. You know, before things changed in the past, and he's the only one who knows that there were other possible um endings or other possible outcomes before before they change things. And to others, it's as if this is how things always ended up. Like there was, yeah, this is what happened in the past, quote unquote. Do you get me? Do you get my point? Basically, Park Hae-yong is the only one who knows that something changed there. <laughs> Should have simplified it that way. Okay. So, next character is Detective Lee Jae-han, played by Cho Jin-woo. So, he's a detective from the 90s. He's, you know, he's stubborn. He's righteous. He's determined to find the truth. Like, similar to Park Hae-yong, and that's why... You know, despite the confusion, they're able to work well together because they both just want to find the culprit and know what really happened in this case. So, um, Lee Jaehan is, you know, in the 90s, he's working in a system that, in a society that's way more corrupt back then. Like, you know, of course, not saying we're all good and righteous now, but, you know, people are more exposed to the truth, I guess. Or maybe the corruption wasn't so deeply entrenched or whatever or you know you know what i'm talking about and in the present day when you know park Hae-yong searches for lee jehan 
he's actually been declared missing for 15 years after you know being accused of corruption and taking bribes and so knowing him as a person knowing how righteous and upright he is as a person it's like what do you mean he's corrupt he's a corrupt cop so now Park Young is trying to piece together how and why he died to prevent him from meeting that fate again like when the next transmissions do back to 1989 because the first um first time that Park Young received or found the walkie-talkie and talked to Jehan it was in two th- the 2000s like that was the time for Jehan and then a second transmission came and then the next time they talked for some reason it looped back to 1989 so so because the uh the, the <laughs> Lee Jehan as Park Young is talking to him is in 1989 there's still time for him to prevent whatever is going to happen that will cause his his disappearance or perhaps his death in the 2000s when he was confirmed to have been missing you get me it loops back okay the transmissions loop back there and our last main character is Cha Yun, played by Kim Yesu. So in the past, she's a new detective in Lee Jehan's division in the homicide homicide division, I think so. Yeah, and so she's the first female detective or first cop, I think, in their station. So she had to deal with a lot of misogyny, like the low-key and the high-key kind. And so, you know, Lee Jehan wasn't kind to her by any means, sure, but like he I think he respected her enough in a way or just wanted her to prove herself or didn't treat her any differently from the others right he didn't belittle her nor did he like treat her like a princess or whatever so you know eventually she just started looking up to him and you know eventually started having feelings for him and 15 years later she's still looking for DJ Han's remains right so after solving the that first kidnapping case, that first kidnapping cold case, uh, she becomes the leader of the cold case squad. And so they solve cold cases that are somehow, all of them, the ones where they get big hints or the ones that suddenly um, emerge again, um, they're all linked to Lee Jae-han, right? And so she grows suspicious of Park Hae-yong's interest in you know, her old senior, Lee Jae-han, and all of his cases. And then when she finds out that it's Lee Jae-hyun's walkie-talkie, right? Like she sees the walkie-talkie. She sees that even if it's dead and old, like it somehow lights up and still starts working. And that she can actually communicate with Lee Jae-hyun, her old senior who has been missing for 15 years in the past using that walkie-talkie. She now joins Park Hae-yong in finding a way to make Jae-hyun survive in the past and to change their future. Right? Okay, okay. Let's let's stop there with all the, the plot and things because it's just it's a lot. A lot happens. Um I'm not sure if I fully understand everything, not going to lie. I think I do. I hope I do. Um, but it's just a really worthy watch and spoiling it would like ruin, you know, like it's really, really good. Okay, so thoughts. Um first regarding the writing. Once again, this is like one of the best premises I've heard in K-dramas like I've read the synopsis like months ago like when I was just starting and I've always wanted to watch it but I don't know why I didn't watch it I think my sister said she was bored I don't know why I I understand actually at at some points but it was really really good 
And I think oh, I really love like the case by case plot lines you know it's like it's very plot driven of course it's it's a murder mystery type with some you know time loop <laughs> aspects it's plot driven it's plot heavy but it's the actual stories and the emotional connections between the characters that makes it so engaging like not just you know between the or like among the main three but like sometimes like the main three have connections with like the victims or even the culprits and, and just Oh, oh, it's just really like good emotional connections among between the characters okay and so like at the start like the very first the kidnapping case so good so intense like perfectly paced and then the middle cases honestly got boring okay honestly it did and then like the actual cases themselves like the plot of the show started having more personal connections with like the main three and then that's when it became really, really, really good. Because it slowly builds up to the main conflict. Like the the individual cases. They build up until we're we're now discussing like what actually happened to Lee Jae Han in, in this specific in the last case that he was investigating that somehow has a personal connection to Park Hae-yong when he was a kid at that time. So so what exactly happened there and how do all of these things build up? To, you know, to eventually cause him to go missing or die. We don't even know yet. Right? And so, like, actually coming from my Kingdom experience, because well, this is the same writer as Kingdom. Once again, if you don't know what Kingdom is, it's the the zombie sagok show. <laughs> it's pretty insane, but it's also very intense, right? But it's a zombie show. It's meant to be intense. I digress. Okay, so coming from my experience... Uh, watching Kingdom. Uh, the thing is, the characters in Kingdom to me, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't watching it properly, but for me, they're just plot vehicles. Like, they just have to survive. They just have to figure out how do we stop the zombies? How do we kill the zombies? Or what is the evil um, minister? I don't know what Cho Hak-ju's actual position is. Like, just the evil people in the palace. What are they really planning? What are they hiding? You know, things like that. It's it's more of like they just have to get the plot moving and to survive, you know, the zombies. Um, so I didn't really feel like I cared much about them as characters. Like, I just wanted them to survive. There, that's it. But... Now that I've watched Signal, I I didn't believe entirely in this like writer's um skill or <laughs> ability to write um characters well, but they're actually she's actually really good at writing characters. Cause I didn't think I'd be attached to them. But at at the end of the show, I was really sad that it was over. Like I was really sad that we didn't get to know what exactly happened at the ending of this show, which I will talk about later. Um but yeah, I still wanted more from their stories, right? And like once again, the fact that for me, the plot lines are good, but they were boring when they were just mysteries, like for the sake of mysteries. But when they were mysteries that were connected to the characters, that's when it became really good. So it just tells me that the characters really add something to the plot or like my connection with them and their connections with each other. That's what makes this show really good i think i think that's what it means um i mean okay 
even though I praised the premise to the high heavens and stuff, honestly, the time loop is confusing. Like, I'm still debating, like, is it a multiverse? Um, Like, okay, does this first transmission lead to a separate alternate universe where that alternate universe, the next time that Park Hae-yong starts talking to Lee Jae-han, will it create a new past in that alternate universe and therefore does it loop back to another universe every time they reach that final transmission i don't know i mean i'm still trying to wrap my head around it maybe i just shouldn't maybe i should just accept what i'm watching but yeah i'm trying to read like theories on it to see if others understood it better than me but apparently we are all confused Perhaps, perhaps we should just accept that this show is over and that we will not understand what happened because there will never be a season two. Uh, okay, um, yeah, the time loop stuff, it's confusing. And I'm sure there are plot holes somewhere or like in several many places. But it's either I didn't notice it because I wasn't watching properly or I didn't notice it because I wasn't thinking hard enough. And perhaps I should not think because I will not be able to answer my own questions if I start thinking. Okay, now let's move on to the characters. Um, alright. Park Hae-yong. He reminds me of Kang Dong-ju from Dr. Romantic. And if you listen to my Dr. Romantic episode or my year-end recap of 2020, I hated that guy. <laughs> He's like one of my least favorite male protagonists ever i hate him so much he's so annoying he's he's stubborn he's defiant he's arrogant he doesn't know when to just shut up and like park young is similar to that yeah i guess i mean like once again i understood him as a character and it makes sense that he's so hard-headed and he trusts no one because he doesn't trust the police uh, like okay his motivations and his actions i guess are kind of well explained that's why i forgive it right and it, it's okay he's smart enough he, he has he does something he helps out you know he he has a big contribution to the team and to solving the cold cases and everything so it's okay that he is the way he is i guess um lee jaehan he was also headstrong but i i understood him like i love uh, one of the scenes, I think in the second case, um, I love the part where he said to Park Hae-yong while they were talking on the walkie-talkie that, you know, to, to Park Hae-yong, like these victims, these people, they're just names, they're just pictures, they're just info in a report. But to him, to Lee Jae-han, they're people he knew or people that he saw or bodies that he saw. They're real to him. This is his present, right? That's why it's hard for him to to deal with this, to like just move on and just keep trying to solve the cases. And I just, yeah, that was a really good moment. And it, I don't know, I I do like how like upright he is as a person, even though he's kind of dramatic at some point, like, okay, but I respect, I respect that he's trying to be the good cop among all the bad cops. Um, I didn't like how he treated Cha Suyun, okay? Like, he didn't give her, you know, special treatment. Yeah, I mentioned this. He didn't give her special treatment or whatever, yeah. But he also didn't belittle her for being a woman. So I respect that, yeah. And so, I, I don't know. I guess I just didn't entirely understand why exactly she fell for him. 
But for me, with how I saw her, like as a young detective, like I think I thought her feelings for her for him were not romantic. It was mostly just like admiration and like looking up to someone who, despite not really being the kindest person to you, he still gave her a chance and he still tried to help her. Like he was the one, you know, teaching her how to drive or like dealing with all the crap from the other officers who were treating her like a joke or like a mascot. You know, like when the chief was making her prepare coffee and serving it to their guest or another chief or someone from the police, a higher up, I guess. Like, you know, treating her essentially as like a mascot or a servant. Mm, that doesn't sound nice. Like, it was Lee Jae-han who stepped in and said, no, like anyone can serve coffee. Anyone can do that. Why does it have to be her when she's working, when she's actually doing something? Why does she have to be in full uniform just to do it? Like, why are you treating her like a mascot? or something you you get the point right like i i respect that in some ways he did respect her the most in that station but yeah the romantic feelings i wasn't completely sold but okay okay i'll, I'll talk more about that later talking about cha Yun though she's the best i love her <laughs> and it's not just my kim yesu bias which i will talk about later i i really do love Chasuyun. Like, just seeing the difference between her, you know, her naive young self, and then, like, this hardened but, like, upright and still determined present self. Like, she's completely transformed. Of course, in 15 years, you should change, but but it, it's just the contrast of it. Because she's the only character that we see, that we really get to see in the past and present, like, almost consistently. And so just like the juxtaposition of her in the past and present is just really wonderful to watch. And like now she's she's logical and she's careful because she's learned from her mistakes in the past. And she's also like brought with her to the present like this upright, this determined nature from, you know, the senior, the detective that she looked up to the most. And and I love that. Um, one of the best cases in this show was when Cha Yun in the past almost became a victim because she was she put herself out there as bait for for this serial killer abductor, right? And so it was just amazing, like seeing how the trauma from that incident still affected her because they were solving it as a cold case in the present. It was just gripping. And in the past, like you could see um, how this was just an important point in her career where Lee Jae-yeon helped her find like the determination that she needed to continue being a cop, right? Um, it, it, like, in this moment, I kind of understand why she developed feelings for him because like her, in this incident, she found like the strong motivation to continue in her career and she found like something that really tied her or like a really special moment between her and Lee Jae-han. And like, the the continuation of her career is thanks to his words and his actions to her at that time. And, you know, when she was about to die, like, he was the one who found her, right? And eventually, he was the one who solved the case in the... <laughs> when they changed, he was able to change the past by solving the case immediately. So, yeah, it was just... It was just a really, really good case. That's my favorite one, honestly. Um, 
next thing I'll discuss is the acting. Um, let's just skip over Lee Jae Hoon and Cho Jin Young because I mean, I don't have a lot of comments about them. I think they delivered like the intensity of the show and like the emotions of their character, pretty characters um pretty well, yeah. However, Kim Yesu is my queen. She is my queen. Okay, in the entire story arc where she was almost like a victim, her acting was top notch. It was amazing. Like she portrayed, you know, vulnerability and fear so well and like everything. Like she she even delivered like the young, naive, like puppy love you know, vibes between her and Lee Jae-han in the past. And then in the future or in the present, she kind of, she was also able to portray like, like the desperation to find him and the pain of being left behind. Like she did just, like the fact that it almost felt like a dual role at this point. <laughs> it was just so, so amazing. Um, She deserves best actress for this role. Like, uh, that's all I have to say. You have to watch this show to really understand, like, why Kim Yesu is a great actress. I need to watch more of her movies. Uh, I just love Kim Yesu so much. Uh, she's a top class actress for me. You have to watch that case to understand why she is so, so, so good as an actress. I swear. And so. Last big portion is, of course, the directing. I have to mention it. Because I just think, like, sometimes I don't understand really what does a director add to the show if, like, the show we're watching is in the writing. Mm, no. Directing, I think I've mentioned this before. Like, in my definition, directing includes, like, the editing, the music choice, and just essentially capturing the mood and the intensity of the show and delivering the intentions of the writer in what you're watching right and like what you're actually watching like the actual final product not just the intentions or the thoughts behind it because some things like some things are written in the script but if you're unable to deliver it deliver it effectively it come it doesn't come out like the way the writer wanted it and it's up to direct to the director to make that come to life and so kim wonsook is my favorite director like once again missing my mr arthur chronicles and now this are you kidding me? Like four shows in a row that I really, really, really enjoyed and have a special place in my heart somehow? Really? Okay. So as a crime show, it's intense. It should be intense. It's a mystery it's a mystery crime show with some time loop, you know, confusion. You're supposed to deliver all of that. And it did. Like, okay, honestly, there were, yes, as I said, some boring parts in the middle, like the third and fourth and fifth cases, I think. Like, but that, I think that's on me. That's my fault for not paying attention, for being on my phone. <laughs> um, and also, those cases were, like, less character-centric. And they focused more on, like, I guess, exploring the consequences of their actions and how changing the past can affect the future. And not just in, like, oh, we're gonna solve it you know, faster now so there won't be any more victims or whatever. It's like, sometimes, yeah, you solve the case, you found the culprit, but it led to another victim or another crime somehow. Or, you know, the point is there are always consequences to your actions. And so, you know, by saving one life, you could probably, you might kill others. 
who knows who knows like just that's the point of those arcs i guess it was less on their personal journeys and the truth in their lives and more of just like exploring the mechanics of what they're doing to what they're doing with this time loop communication thing to like the universe as a whole however in that aspect that i didn't like i think that was more of a writing thing so i won't entirely blame it on him i think he did he portrayed that well enough i think it's still pretty good it's just wasn't the best parts of the show for me but in general it's just really intense and the mood was perfect for the show it was intense when it had to be intense it was sad when it had to be sad it was so sad when it had to be so sad it's actually quite a heavy show at times i realize that now but okay I have to describe like my favorite scene in the entire show, I think. So in the second episode, like the start of the second episode, um, it's it opens with like them um uh, arresting the actual culprit of the kidnapping case, right? However, the statute of limitations is expiring in 10 minutes. And so there is a literal 10-minute countdown in the bottom thirds of the screen, right? And I just I just double checked it a few minutes ago, but it literally plays out in real time. Like from the ten minutes and forty two seconds when the countdown starts, ten minutes and forty two seconds like pass in real time of the show, and that's when the countdown ends. So you're on the edge of your seat, wanting to know if they'll get the confession by the end of the countdown, right? C- can you even imagine that? Like sometimes they'll drag things out for you know the dramatic. Uh, the intensity or for the for the drama of the scene, right? But it's not just about the intensity or the drama. It's about the stakes. Because in 10 minutes, you will lose your chance to solve this case. Or, or like, you will lose your chance to... Uh, indict? Is that the word? Um, just to find the culprit for this specific case. Even though you know it's the truth, you can't charge them with it. Because the statute of limitations has expired, Right? And so, you, as it's as if you're in that uh, interrogation room with the people, with the police. Like, you're in there with them, counting down the seconds for, for this 10-minute count, 10-minute 10, 10 um, deadline, because you have to get this confession immediately. That's genius, right? That's, that's genius. I have not seen that in a K-drama elsewhere. I think... You know, the, the closest I've seen uh, with, you know, shows using, like, real-time aspects is, like, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine when they had um, an episode play out in real-time where things were all happening at the same time and it all happened within the span of 20 minutes, right? The 20-minute uh, run... Oh, my God. Are these shows 20 minutes long? Am I going crazy? Are, are, are American sitcoms only, like, 20, 30 minutes long? You know... I'm sorry, I just have to I just have to go on a tangent here, but like seeing as how I watch, you know, K dramas which are like an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, no, in one episode and I binge it. And then you're telling me like sitcoms are only twenty minutes long. What? Sorry, sorry, I just had to talk about that. Like just the thought of, you know. Um, this countdown of this interrogation scene was like half an episode of an entire sitcom episode that's insane to me i'm sorry i went on a tangent (laughs) but as i mentioned that's genius 
I don't know if that's in the script. It may be in the script, but to deliver it perfectly and to not even make you realize that you're anticipating these 10 minutes with the police, that's crazy. That's genius. Oh, that was so good. That's just my favorite scene of all not okay, of all time. That's a little crazy. That's a bit much. But definitely in the show, that is my favorite scene. Uh okay, fine. Maybe the scene where they found Chasuyun when she was running away from her kidnapper, like the murderer. Yeah, maybe that was also another great scene. But that's more of an acting thing. But this this is really like this is some genius level directing right there. <laughs> okay. Um another thing, another technical aspect I love about the show is once again the music. And like, okay, after three shows of this director in his specific style, I finally figured out why I love the music of Missing in My Mister and now Signal so much. So I also have to give credits to Kim Joon-sook and Park Sung-il who also worked on the other two, I think, as the musical composers. Okay, going back to the director. His style is very much show don't tell which is the most cliched like writing advice you could ever hear from anyone anywhere right so in writing that's vague like how do you show and not tell when your medium is literally words your medium is literally telling people what they should be seeing or thinking or imagining or saying right but in tv or in movies i think you can take it literally. <laughs> you can literally say, show it and don't tell it, right? Show people feeling sad. Show people feeling lost and confused. Don't say that I'm sad, I'm lost, I'm confused, right? That's that, that you can take that literally, I think. So his style is very much show, don't tell. There's so much that, you know, as, <laughs> as an impatient or easily bored watcher who's always on her phone and stuff, like, there are so many things that I could, I probably missed because I wasn't watching properly and I was just, like, looking up every time, like, I heard them talking, which is a terrible practice because this show or this director style is not like that. You have to actually watch the show or you'll miss something, okay? That's my fault. But my point is... His style has a lot of silences because he's showing so much. And oftentimes, those silences are in like contemplative, reflective moments, like emotion, emotionally charged moments. And in those like silences in the characters, he fills it with music. And so music in like TV, TV shows or in movies, like it's not just necessarily used to invoke like the feelings of being tense when there's like a fast beat or something or feeling sad when there's you know a sad piano or warm when there's uh guitars or whatever it's like my point is it's not just about like invoking a specific feeling right there's like this concept of like musical themes which is melodies or just music that uh kind of represents a character or is played when the scene is emphasizing a certain character or a certain relationship. And I usually um, see that in in movies or video games, especially video games, because like uh, you spend a lot of time in it, you spend a lot of time playing a game and like 
when you see a character or when a character feels a certain thing or when they're experiencing triumph or defeat like it's often the same kind of melody but played in different ways or in different keys to portray that this is a, a good moment so it's usually major key or like a really sad or um like the lowest the darkest moment of the character which is usually it's in minor key hey I'm not a music person. I'm not ne- actually a music person. I'm not also necessarily a TV film person. So I'm just basing this off like my Google learnings and my personal experience. Okay, don't don't credit me on this. So um, essentially, uh, hearing like the same background music when a scene is focusing on a certain character or relationship creates this like mental association. And so if you've noticed, I've been playing music for a while now, and that song or that background music is Long Lost Love which I noticed was always being played in um, Cha Soo-yoon and Lee Jae-han's like scenes like not their individual scenes but when it's one of them thinking about the other usually it's Cha Soo-yoon thinking about Lee Jae-han in the future right so when I observed that a scene was focusing on their relationship I started to anticipate this piano melody like I knew exactly that this song was going to start playing And so hearing the melody reminds me of them. And seeing them reminds me of this melody. And it's just such an effective musical theme because it's already built that association with me as a reader. Uh, Sorry, not as a reader, as a watcher. (laughs) Yes, because, because I noticed that there was a theme. I noticed that there was like similar music being played every single time they had like a moment or they were thinking about each other. That's uh, that's crazy. I didn't even notice that until I realized that I was already anticipating this specific song. That's insane. Um, and so I realized that this similar style of like having silences and then uh in an emotionally charged moment or a contemplative moment, and then you know, having like the specific song, the specific background music playing there to associate with usually it's the protagonist or whenever yeah, usually it's the protagonist. But whenever that happens or I remember in my Mister sorry, I have I didn't talk about this in my My Mister podcast, if you've listened to that, because I didn't realize it, but um there's this specific song called My Family. I won't play it now. Um uh, My Family that plays every time Park Dong Hoon is thinking about his family or with his family, right? I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember. But when I was listening to the background music of my mister, you know, randomly just to be sad, uh, I realized like, oh, I know this melody. I-, I-, I feel sad when I think about it, when I listen to it. But I know this song. And so, oh, that's so good. Like, I just realized that I was, I was you know, watching Signal that... Yeah, this uh, director and the composers that he frequently works with, they effectively use musical themes to invoke these certain feelings and these these associations with the characters. That's that's amazing. It's not just like it. Once again, I mentioned this in my twenty twenty recap, talking about my best OSTs. There are two types of OSTs. Some of them have like iconic songs that you want to listen to over and over again. And there are songs that capture the mood of the show and just have like, um, that, yeah, capture the mood of the show. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Signal didn't have like an iconic song, like let's say Tomorrow from Missing or Grown Ups um, in My Mister. But I guess since it's plot driven, it's okay because they don't have as many like 
contemplative moments as they did in Missing and My Mister. I just feel like there weren't a lot of moments when I heard actual OST songs with singers in this show. Which is fine. I don't think it fits so well. And the music that was actually composed for this show, um, not just the background music, but the actual songs with lyrics, it has this really grungy, old-timey feeling, right? Um, yeah, once again, the music captures the mood of the show and... I don't know. I'm just a big fan of. <laughs> I'm a big fan of like musical scoring. So, yeah, excellent, excellent. And I think that is the director's touch. So, you know, now we're talking about the ending. And you know what? As I was watching the ending, I realized yes, I understand everyone who wants a second season for this show. I'm not saying the ending was necessarily terrible. I'm just saying like. It left me confused instead of satisfied. Right? It's like there were so many plot points. Like there was so much confusion. Like I don't understand exactly what happened. And once again, this is bringing back my concerns of like, not concerns, my thoughts of is this a time loop? Is this the multiverse? Um, what exactly happened? What timeline are we? How is so are they aware that things changed because they were aware that you could change the past? Uh, what, 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 what? <laughs> and um, with, oh, should I even spoil this? Okay, I guess you made it this far, so you might as well know what exactly happens in the ending. Uh, with Lee Jae-han, like, waking up in a hospital, apparently in present day, still holding that walkie-talkie, and with it being live and, like, transmitting to someone, is it transmitting to someone in the future? or someone in the past. Who is he talking to if it's in the past? Is he still talking to his past self who has that walkie-talkie? If he's talking to the future, what? <laughs> Who's going to have this in the future? So yeah, it's a little messy. I gotta admit, it is pretty messy and I don't completely understand it. And I don't think it's my fault that I don't understand it. I think it is a common sentiment that we do not understand what just went on. And so I understand why people want a season two so badly. But I don't think it's ever gonna happen. I think they've left this show far, far behind by now. I mean, you know, Kim Unhee Kim Un is very busy with like, Kingdom and now Jirisan, which we will definitely watch. And then, you know, Kim Wonsook, who knows what he's doing with his life. I hope he's, you know, making an another masterpiece somewhere out there. But they're definitely not revisiting this, which is sad because it's just excellent. It's really an excellent show. And, you know, even if, yeah, I was confused instead of satisfied, I was still sad that it was over. So that must mean that I liked what I watched, right? That must be a good thing if I didn't want it to end. Like, not necessarily, yeah, I didn't want it to end like that. But I also kind of didn't want it to end, period. Like, I didn't expect that I would actually be attached to these characters. Like, not in the same way, like, I was wrecked, you know, when um, my mister and when Missing ended. Like, I was emotionally just distraught for a few days after that. Okay. Yeah, that's a different kind of sadness. But this is more like, I think there is more story to tell. Or you should not have ended the story like this and left me wanting. Okay, but but yeah. So I think this is still just absolutely a great watch. You know, one of the best K-dramas in terms of like 
Yeah, in terms of like plot and execution. I wouldn't... Okay, because like in terms of my rankings, I separated it into like my 2020 top 15k dramas and my 2021 top 15k dramas because I think it's unfair. Like my expectations in 2020 and my history, everything I've watched back then is different from you know, my experiences and everything I've watched and learned and realized I liked in the next year. Like, my tastes could change. And so I want my ranking to reflect, you know, just my tastes for that specific year. So I don't, I won't insert it anywhere in my top 15 for the past year, but it's definitely still in my top five. As of now, I've only finished like 2K dramas <laughs> this year, but but Yeah. I, I really do think this is still an excellent show. And the fact that it still holds up, that it's still as good, you know, four years later. And I think, you know, still people are still talking about it, I guess. Like, not as intensely as other shows, of course. But I think it's made its impact. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of the best kid dramas in terms of plot and execution. It, it balances, like, the intensity of, you know, that it's a crime drama. And it also balances that with like the deep emotions and like emotional connections of the characters to each other. I think it balances that really well. And so that's why I personally was still somehow invested in the characters and their relationships, despite this being a plot heavy drama. So yeah, yeah, the show is great. I highly, I still highly recommend it to, to pretty much anyone who wants. Like a good, intense, kinda sad K-drama. That's it for me. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for listening to this. Um looking forward to more in the future. Hopefully I will find a show as good as this soon. I I feel like I will be in a K-drama slump very, very soon. So yeah. Thank you for tuning in and I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.